Official Titans Podcast. This is the OTP. My name is Mike Keith. Amy Wells. Hello, Mike. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Dave McGinnis from Titans Radio. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Jim Wyatt, TitansOnline.com. Senior writer, editor, better known as the great Jim Wyatt. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Glad to be here on December the 31st. We're working. We're working. Big week, playoff week. And it only seems fitting that in a playoff week, the OT people, take over with the OTPQs. They have submitted their questions, and so today's program is totally dedicated to the listeners of the OTP. Amy Wells, tell them how they submitted these questions. Well, these nice OT people went to titansonline.com slash OTPQ and submitted questions. There was also one or two from the Twitter machine, which I'll allow. She'll allow it. I'll allow it. So, yeah, response was huge. The OT people have things to say, Mike Keith. They're very fired up. Amy Wells, this is your show. Take it and go. I like when it's my show. All right. Coach Mack, we're going to start with you. Okay. And this is from Parker from Nashville. And he asks, with Belichick having a history of shutting down impact players, I expect him to have a plan to limit A.J. Brown's targets. Who other than A.J. should the Titans have ready to make those big-time plays? Well, really, Parker, everybody, because then he's gonna, he will focus. He's going to focus on two players. He's going to focus on A.J. Brown, and he's going to focus on Derrick Henry. And he's going to do that in various ways. And, you know, if, if you want to take a receiver out of the game, the last time we played these people, you know, they, they, they focused on Davis. Okay? You know, they matched Davis up. They trailed him all across, all across the field. They can do it in several different ways. You know, with A.J. Brown, the production that he's put out, they'll either, they'll either put their best corner, who they think is the best cover corner on him, and play defense with the other 10 against us, or they'll double him with their second corner and then let, put, let their other corners cover our other receivers. Now, the front, what they're going to do with the front, I mean, they're going to move people around quite a bit. They are going to try to confuse the blocking points in this outside zone run. That's the issue with two really prominent players on our offense, and Bill Belichick is going to have a definite plan for both of them. Jim, Drew from Youngstown, Ohio. He says, honestly, I feel like the AFC is wide open this year and every team that made it does something exceptionally well. I feel like this is the Titans' best chance to make a run since the 1999 Super Bowl run. Do you guys agree or do other past teams stick out to you guys as teams that have better chances? I think both the 2002 and the 2003 teams had really good chances. Really three teams since that 99 season. The 2000 team, I, I contend, and I think a lot of people agree, was the best Titans team and uh, didn't win, lost in the playoff game here against Baltimore on a day when the kicking game had trouble and they um, you know, just couldn't score enough points. Uh, I thought the 2002 season that ended with an AFC Championship game loss in Oakland was built to win a Super Bowl. And if you find a way to win that game, I think they would have beaten the Tampa Bay Buccaneers down the road in San Diego. And then in 2003, the Titans team that went to Foxborough and lost after getting a playoff win against the Ravens a week before was a really talented team. So 
this team has had some really good opportunities. This is a, a big challenge. I mean, you're going in to face the defending Super Bowl champions. If you find a way to win this game, you got to face the number one seed in the conference. But to get there, I mean, you get a big uh, challenge right out of the gate. And uh, is this team heading in with some momentum? Yes. Is this a team I think is capable of winning? Yes. But uh, uh, still in a little bit of a prove-it mode compared to some of those other years, if you ask me. Now, a question that I was asked a lot, and I just want to get it out of the way, because literally every person wanted to know this in some form or fashion. What is the status of Adoree Jackson, Adam Humphreys, Khalif Raymond? You know, Adoree is, is tough to really figure out. And uh, and without seeing the first practice this week, we're not going to know. Uh, we saw him briefly a couple of weeks ago for a practice. Mike Vrabel mentioned he could potentially be involved in maybe third down packages. Then we didn't see him again. And, you know, Dory was walking around the locker room. He hasn't had a boot on. He, he, he seems to uh, – his spirits seem to be improving. But I talked to him as recently as Friday before we left for Houston, and he was a little bit frustrated, uh, not coming along as quickly as he hoped. He said, hey, I'm – you know, the plan is to try to get me in a position to play at some point again this season. When that is, uh, I guess we'll have to see how this practice week goes. Humphreys um, is coming along. I mean – uh, and, and I think with Raymond, too, who was in concussion protocol last week, I would think he's probably going to clear that and have a chance. But the injury reports this week will tell the story. And uh, and I'm very curious myself to see who's out there when the practice week starts. All right. This question is from Layla Tawan, which seems fishy to me. <laughs> That's a reverse of Taylor Lewan. <laughs> in Knoxville, Tennessee. <laughs> Mac, this one's for you. The secondary notwithstanding, our defense seems to have taken a step back this year, especially the run defense. What is the difference, especially since it's more or less the same group on defense? Well, you can point to the fact, and, and really this defense was playing right up to what we have seen this defense play to in Dean Pease's times here until he lost both starting corners. Now, when you lose both starting corners, it makes a difference. And you're going to say, well, Coach Mack, I'm talking about the run defense. That makes a huge difference. When you have your two starting corners, Amy, you can lock up your corners man-to-man outside, and then the other nine people can help you on the run. All right? If you don't have your starting corners, then you have to start doing some things structurally to be able to help those corners because you can't lock them up man-to-man all the time. And once you start taking units out of that front, and by the front I mean when you drop your safeties down, you start doing some things like that, then clearly you're going to be playing with a lighter box, box being from the tackle to tackle. That's what's been going on quite a bit. All right, Layler, there's your answer, but we're on to you. Tyler from California says, with the amount of carries that Henry has had against the Texans, does that hinder the health of his hamstring? He looked great, but I worry about the health of his hamstring going into the playoffs. I don't think so. I mean, I think people should be encouraged by what they saw from him. You know, going for 211, three touchdowns, had the breakaway run. you know, I, I thought the week of practice last week is very encouraging, and I think his mood was very encouraging. You can kind of tell when Derrick Henry's feels good because he kind of wears it on his face a little bit. He's in a surly mood when he's not healthy and can't play and doesn't feel like himself. I, he was bouncing around the practice field last week. He was in a great mood after the game on Sunday after after winning the, the rushing title, and um, I think he feels good. I mean, I, I think he uh, – I think he's in 
I don't know if he's back to 100%, but I think he's certainly a lot closer than he was a couple of weeks ago. To me, it looked, when you, you look at the, at the game, in the Texans game, he still wasn't 100% completely there, but he was so much better. I mean, he made a 53-yard touchdown run, and I'm not telling anybody anything they don't know, but he ran away from two DBs. Now, he didn't dust two DBs, which he's done in the past when he's been 100%. And I don't get into percentages, but just watching him physically, he was so much better, very much improved. It's not shocking that he was in a good mood after that game. <laughs> I, I would be too. Uh, Mac, this one's for you. What do you think has been the root of the inconsistent play of the offensive line this year? Is it matchups? Is it experience? Is it something else? Well, I think this offensive line has been playing very well, especially the you know the, the last 10 weeks. And the root of the problem early was Taylor Lewan wasn't here. I mean, you, you, and, then, and then you had injuries. You had injuries to Nate Davis, a young player that you wanted to incorporate into that. We had Kevin Pamphill also was injured. I mean, so they had no continuity. Continuity in the offensive line, people don't like to hear it, but it's true. It's truer than any unit on the football field. They have to work together. They have to be together, not only to play together. They have to be together to identify fronts. They have to be able to be able to switch things at the line of scrimmage, but they have to be together. You know, the fact now that they were able to be together for this long, this group, you're seeing a much improved play. I mean, they just they just had the leading rusher in the National Football League run behind this group, and that all started germinating from, you know, when they were all put together for a while, once Taylor Lewan came back. That's important. And, and I think, you know, one guy who really struggled early and admitted, he's the first guy to admit it, was Roger Saffold. I mean, he had all kinds of issues at the beginning of the season. He stood at his locker and said, hey, I've got to get things cleaned up. This is not why they brought me here. And I think he, I mean, you don't have not heard his name much here in recent weeks. So he's improved. Some other guys have been inconsistent. I mean, I don't think Taylor Lewan played very well the week prior against the Saints, but was I thought he played well again on Sunday. I mean, I think some of it has been consistency, but now groups locked in, and uh, and that's a heck of a reward to, to have be able to say you block for a rushing uh, title winner. Just and to the Saffold point, I mean, I've seen Roger Saffold go through this. I was with him for five years with the Rams, and you know, we moved him around a lot. But the fact, when they brought Andrew Whitworth in there and, and put him there next to him, other than Greg Robinson, who was a first-round pick that was next to him, that he had to cover for a lot. Greg Robinson proved to be a huge bust in this league. Once Taylor Lewan and he started working together for a while, that left side has been really, really strong. It really has been. Here's a question for the entire group. I would like to get everyone's thoughts on this. Cameron from Commerce Township, Michigan says, thanks for reading my question and for all of y'all's hard work. Also, shout out to Coach Vrabel and the players for all of their hard work. Anyway, we know there's a lot of differences between this Titans team and the one that made the playoffs two years ago. What do you think is the biggest difference between these two teams? Offensive firepower. Yeah? I mean, that's bottom line is this team goes in doing so much more offensively than that team did two years ago. I think it's I mean, statistically, it's vastly different, but this team can go score. And, I mean, being able to take advantage of all of the weapons, it gives you a chance. To win two years ago, every game was basically going to have to be the same sort of game. The Titans won in Kansas City 22-21. to It was going to have to be that low to mid-scoring game. This team has the ability, if they get in a high-scoring game, to go win – 
In some cases, Coach Mack, it might even be to their benefit if they got in a high-scoring game because of the type of offense they had. Well, you are 100% right, Mike. And you and I did a lot of, uh, you know, uh, sweet holder, ticket holder things before the before the year started, a lot of Q&A with a lot of our people. And that question was asked you early on. And your first answer, which was 100% correct, they ask you, what does this team have to do to be able to, to advance? And then you said score points. And you were 100% correct. And that once the Tannehill started getting in there, I mean, you've seen a massive difference. And you've seen a massive difference in a lot of things. But in the National Football League today, you need to be able, if you're going to be in everything, you need to be able on a consistent basis to score 24 to 27 points a game. I mean, you just have to be able to do it. And that used to be a struggle. It's not a struggle anymore. And they can they can play any kind of game you want to play now. They can play the physical in your face. You know, here you go, put as many people in the box, and we'll run right at you, and we'll run through you. Or they can they can compete in a make it take it game, which is important. And I agree. I mean, I think it's the offense. I mean, you got so many weapons and so many guys. Uh, if if the Patriots are able to take somebody away or or focus on taking somebody away, this team's capable of finding other guys and I'm, I'm looking at the starting lineup on offense from that game in 2017 the re- receivers Rashard Matthews Corey Davis and Eric Decker I think this team's better at that position certainly this year Delaney Walker was a tight end that day um, you know obviously he was, had a heck of a career John U. Smith though was stepped up and added another dimension Derrick Henry was a running back that day and had really just started a couple of games DeMarco had, had been hurt a couple of weeks prior and now we've got a Derrick Henry who's again just won the rushing title and is in a groove so the running backs in a better spot the offensive line that night Taylor one Quentin Spain Ben Jones Josh Klein Jack Conklin so three of the five are are back but then you've got two other guys that have stepped in and done a good job so it's a different team that's going up there uh, a couple of years ago and, and one that's built to built to score Jaron from Dallas would like to know, why do you think our defensive backs play so far off their man on the line of scrimmage? I would like to think that pressing more would help them not give up so many yards, especially if it can mess up the timing of the quarterback and wide receiver. Your thoughts? Well, here's my exact thoughts. When you're playing defensive back in the National Football League, the first thing you need to learn, and you learn it week to week to week, is you ability align. Now, it sounds all good if you want to jump up there and press, but if you miss somebody on the press and you don't have the foot speed to catch up, then you are you are going to put your offense and make it take it. All right? So you have to and, – and a lot of things have to happen is – and there are certain points where you want to play off. You, I mean, you want to make spot tackles, you know, on people. Playing corner in the National Football League is not about keeping people from catching every pass that they throw. Playing corner in the National Football League is, is, is it encompasses several things. It encompasses being able to bogey and disguise your coverage to the quarterback so that sometimes he doesn't know where he's throwing when he comes out and his back foot hits the ground. It, it encompasses being able to know who you are playing against, not giving them easy throws, and especially the worst thing that can happen to a, to a defensive back in the National Football League is for the ball to go over your head because when the ball goes over your head, then the other 10 people on the field can't play. They cannot play. And so all of that stuff figures into it. Sometimes you're in zone defense. You want them. You encourage them to catch it in front of you. Then that's where spot tackling becomes paramount. 
Joshua from Middletown, New York says, my question is, did we actually stumble into a better matchup for the playoffs? Weird to say, but the Patriots seem to be more beatable than the Chiefs. Their defense has cooled off, their offense isn't as potent, and they don't have a deadly wide receiver like the Chiefs do to attack our banged up secondary. Your thoughts? That seems to be a popular line of opinion, and I certainly get it because the Chiefs you know, seem to have it going offensively. They can do a lot of things and uh, and have been better on offense than than the Patriots. Uh, we, you know, this team beat the Chiefs not only this year but there a couple of years ago. They got a lot of uh, incentive to beat the Titans. Um, I'm not going to say I'm not going to sit here and say this is a better matchup because this is the defending Super Bowl champions. They always seem to rise to the occasion uh, in the playoffs. Uh, it's going to it's going to be a challenge to go up there and win the titans are capable of winning this game but i'm never going to say i'd rather face the patriots than anybody else in the afc until somebody knocks them off avery from clifton tennessee the titans used marcus mariota's athletic ability on several option plays and the big third down reception against new england a season ago could we see mariota again this week in some packages to keep new england on their toes yeah, stick around <laughs> just pay attention <laughs> Pay attention. You saw a little bit of taste of it last week. And, uh, you know, in that, in that play last week when Marcus came in and, the, and they moved Tannehill out to the wide receiver, Marcus checked that play because he checked that play because he got quarters coverage. They were in quarters coverage. He checked the play. The play was initially going to be a run. They were going to run it into a light box. And, and you know, because they had – if you – you know, Tannehill's split was numbers plus five. He was way out. They had him spread out. But when they got when he saw quarters coverage, he knew that that deep dig on the safety that was playing 12 yards deep was wide open. Just, yeah, pay pay attention. Stick around. You might see some more. You know, a lot of people in the press box were like, where's Tannehill? Something happened to his helmet. Is he hurt? Uh, you can imagine the the Texans were doing the same thing. And uh, it, it does give New England a little something to think about going into Saturday. Jacob from Brentwood asks, as a season ticket member, I love the Sunday afternoon kickoffs. Do the Titans request that, or is that a decision made strictly by the NFL? Strictly by the NFL. You know, from game times, they they set all of that. I told the story on an earlier OTP that when we started this in the late 1990s, we thought we would be a 3 o'clock market. That was initially the indication that had been given because there was some worry for a lot of reasons that we wouldn't draw as well at noon. Uh, some of those had to do, I think, initially with uh, beer sales. Uh, there was some concern that they wouldn't be able to sell beer before the games, and that changed. Some of it was due to church. There were concerns in that way. So we thought that was going to end up being the case. It didn't. Uh, we're basically a noon market, and that's set by the league. Michael from Nashville, this one specifically for Coach Mack. He said, with the 2019 season being impacted more than ever by questionable officiating, does a coach ever look at the tendencies of certain officiating crews and prepare their game plan accordingly or prepare their coaching staff in the booth to be on the lookout for a higher probability of successful challenges? Great question, and the answer is absolutely yes. You go through, you you study uh, officiating crews, just like you study your opponent. And at the, the answer to that is 100%. I mean, I, I have charts and charts and charts from years of my presentations, you know, when I, was a, when I was an assistant coach, when I was a head coach, to my staff. We would always, we would normally do it on, a, on, the, on the Wednesday meeting 
you know, that, that we would have about what the officiating crew was, what their tendencies were, what they like to call, which, which position. You know, it's not just the referee. It's all of his other officials as to what they are inclined to call, how you can play. You can, maybe you can be a little more grabby this week. This week you've got to be, you've got to be hands off. The answer to that is 100% yes. There's a lot that goes into that. Tyler from Omaha, I'm a huge believer in Corey Davis. His size, athleticism, work ethic, and unselfishness are all impressive. In his third season, he's on pace to regress in yards and receptions from last season. What do you guys see? Why isn't he statistically performing like a number one receiver? Because A.J. Brown's getting a lot of those balls, and because Jonu Smith's getting those balls, and because Ryan Tannehill's spreading the ball out to other players. I don't think you can just look at numbers when you look at Corey Davis. I mean, I think you got it. And, and as he mentioned, I mean, I think you got to pay attention to his blocking, some of the tough catches he makes across the middle. So uh, when one guy's having a 1,000-yard season, uh, something A.J. Brown's done, you're just not going to get as many targets. And that's, I think that's what's happened to Corey Davis. That is what's happened to Corey Davis. Will from Barry Hill asks, are we going to get the OTP year-round? There's going to be lots of draft and contract chat to be had. Can we all just say yes? Yes. Emphatically? Yes. Ah, yes. We will be around all year. You can't shut us down. All right, this final question in the spirit of the new year. I would like everyone's opinion. Alan from Jackson, Tennessee says, what was everyone's favorite memory in Nissan Stadium this season? 2019 reflection, guys. Beating the Chiefs. The the drive at the end, um, everything that went on, the fact that the Chiefs couldn't convert the field goal at 32-27, to 27, the fact that Tannehill ran the way that he did and led the team back down the field, the two-point conversion by Tannehill, uh, Joshua Kalu's blocked field goal to end the game. It was an improbable victory. If the Titans lose that game, they're not in the playoffs. Real chance they may finish with a losing record because they would have been four and six going into the bye and momentum would have gone the other way. Instead, they win what I think was one of the more significant games in recent Nissan Stadium history. It was why you pay to see an NFL game. It was everything it had. It's my favorite memory at Nissan Stadium. The Chargers game is mine. The, the goal line stand, I mean, I, they're just too much defensive coach in my DNA. That goal line stand was fabulous. I mean, and that, you talk about a victory that you had to have. You know, that was a football team that was very capable. The Chargers were. They had gotten in scoring position to make those types of plays defensively. I just know from all the years I've done this how hard that is, and, how, and they never, ever gave up. And that, to me, I love that moment. That made me really happy, the Chargers game. I must say the Jersey retirement of uh, Steve McNair and Eddie George, even though it came on a uh, a day when the team lost, just to see Eddie George and knowing how much that meant to him, and uh, and seeing his voice kind of crack as he as he kind of went down memory lane, and then to see Steve McNair's wife and his sons there, and uh, and the number nine cloud form above uh, the stadium as as it, on that day. Uh, that was a special day, even uh, even though the game didn't go so well. It has been a really good year to be a Tennessee Titan. Especially when you consider starting with the draft mm-hmm. and everything that went on. I mean, the last 12 months have been so exciting. The buildup to the draft, the draft itself, everything leading up to the season. And the season certainly took some turns, but winning seven of the last 10 and making the playoffs – 
and having a chance to go play the division champions, that's pretty good. Pretty great. No, this it's been a it's really been a, a really good year, and there's been a lot of things that have happened this year. But the biggest thing that's happened <clears throat> is you can see that this organization and this football team is on the rise, and that's important. You had some really young players show up in big spots, and that's always good for your franchise. All right, so you're through with the questions. I'm through with the questions, but keep sending them. Keep sending questions. We will continue to answer them, titansonline.com slash OTPQ. OTPQ. Okay, now time for our last What's Brewing of the 2019 year, actually of the decade. Let's say it's the last What's Brewing of the decade. Brought to you by Duncan. You spoke, we listened. The great taste plant-based Beyond Sausage Sandwich from Duncan is now available at Duncan locations nationwide, including the one... Right here at Rosa Parks, just opened up the hill from us. Is it open? It's open. Woohoo! With ten grams, of, or, or there were people going through getting donuts and different coffee and Beyond Sausage sandwiches. That so something is was the biggest yes. victory of 2019. With ten grams of Beyond Sausage plant-based protein. Man, I hope they're really open. In between <laughs> a toasted English muffin and delicious egg and cheese. Mmm, mmm. Duncan's taking a twist on a classic, creating a brand new way for you to start your day. So get up, get out, and get into Duncan for a plant-based boost to your mornings and start the day the plant-based way. America runs on Duncan. Jim Wyatt, what is brewing with you, sir? What's brewing with me, I guess, is Ryan Tannehill finishes as the the NFL's top-rated passer. Will he be the NFL's comeback player of the year in 2019? Uh, I think Jimmy Garoppolo... Uh, Cooper Cup, some of those guys, maybe some other guys I'm not thinking about will get uh, some push. But I can't imagine Ryan Tannehill, who is not coming off an injury, but just ha- kind of had a rebirth in his career. Uh, it's hard for me to imagine somebody that's that's risen to the scene uh, like he has uh, this year for the Titans. So does he win that award? That's brewing in my mind. Amy Wells, what's brewing with you? One of the hardest things about this time of year is all of the – changes that happen with coaching staffs and things like that. It's never fun for anybody, but this seems like it's been kind of an odd year with all of the rumors that have been swirling. And the, is this one of the stranger years that we've had in end of the season coaching changes? It's always strange this time of year. Always strange this time of year. This time of year, as I said, I've, I've been one of those Black Monday coaches. Uh, look, this happens in the National Football League, so it is strange. But it's normal. And it's not over. Yeah, it's one that was out the door, and now Doug Marone's been announced as coming back. And, and over the weekend, he was reportedly out. That didn't happen. Reportedly been told yes. he was out. Right. I mean, that's Somebody a strange thing uh, to have happen. Well, there's that. There's all the will they, won't they in Dallas. There's. It's just, it feels like everywhere you turn, there's some odd rumor that's unsolved right now. And it just seems strange. There, there, was, there weren't just seven firings. Right. Just no. boom, 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 boom. Yeah, it's, no. It's, uh, let me just real quick personally just hit in this. First of all, you're, we're playing Bill Belichick. Do you remember when Bill Belichick stood up and wrote on a piece of paper, I, I, I am no longer head coach of the New York Jets? Boom. That was Hand, odd. Handed, handed a piece uh-huh. of paper. I was a head coach of the Chicago Bears for six hours and didn't know it for three. That's fairly odd. <laughs> that me. is odd. That was odd. <laughs> that is odd. All right. I guess I was talking to the wrong guy with that one. That's fair. <laughs> All right, Coach Mack, what is brewing with you? Arthur Smith, as as the first-year offensive coordinator, he and his offensive staff, what they have done 
after the quarterback change, to me, has been a really, really monumental thing for this franchise. Because now all of a sudden, you've got an offense that is a strength of your football team, where for years, you know, this, you know, other than when, when number nine was here, this football team has been a really a defensive-centric football team. You've got an offense now that is, is with some young players that has shown some things that they're, they're, you know, just with a point production. To me, that's a big, big thing that brewed this year, and I think it's very significant. What's brewing with me? Please stop. Oh, no. Seriously, please stop. Please stop with the whole thing that the Patriots aren't any good Please stop with the whole thing that, oh, goodness, we're so happy to be playing the Patriots. Please stop with that. <laughs> there, it, it happens every year. Every year they're supposed to lose in the playoffs. Every year is supposed to be the year the dynasty ends. A friend of mine who's a Patriots fan sends me something and says, oh, congratulations on being the ones to end the dynasty. Please stop. There has been no team in the recent history of sport – that has been better at winning at the moment that you least expect it by finding a way to do it, by being ready to play, by playing well in the situation, by altering a game plan, by having an all-time great player come through. There's been no team that has done it better than the New England Patriots. Listen, I think the Titans have a real shot this week because I think they're playing good football. But they're going to have to go up there and win. They're going to have to go up there and play well. It's not because somebody's gotten old or they don't know what to do. These guys are the best of the best. To beat the king, you got to knock them out. It's what they used to say when I watched heavyweight boxing when I was a kid. Muhammad Ali wasn't losing by decision. You had to knock out the champ. That's what you have to do if you're going to win this football game Saturday night at 7:15. is you've got to go play and play well. Don't buy this stuff that, that keeps being thrown out. Tom Brady's old or this or that. They lost to the Dolphins. Big deal. You know why? They weren't that interested. Because they're the Patriots. They play for January and February. The last game of the season against the Dolphins, eh. Yes, they normally win it. They didn't. It doesn't mean anything. Please stop with all the stuff about the New England Patriots being done. They're the Patriots. They're the champs. It's a great opportunity for the Titans to go play the champs. The Titans are good enough to win this game, but they have got to win it. So all the stuff about, oh, they've lost it. Listen, if you want to pick the Titans, fine. Pick them because you think they're going to win. Don't give me the stuff that it's because the Patriots have run out of gas. That that won't be determined until they actually have at some point an eye. I'm not convinced they've run out of gas because they find ways to make it happen week in, week out. They are the best of the best, period, in any sport. The Celtics and the Lakers didn't do it. The Yankees and the Red Sox haven't done it. It hadn't been done in NASCAR. It hadn't been done in the NHL. You think about this era of sport. What Belichick has done over this 20 years is the most incredible thing that we have seen over this era. It started off with Vrabel and Brewski and that whole bunch of guys who ran out on the field as a team because they wouldn't be introduced individually. You didn't even know who Brady was. And then they evolved into this fabulously talented team that went undefeated. And then they've moved into this thing where the pieces keep changing, but every year there's something different. And the constants are Brady and Belichick and winning. And that's what they are. They're amazing. you got to beat them. So please stop with the, the stuff about how they, they ain't got it anymore. 
I don't buy it. I'm sorry. I've had a little Dunkin' this morning. That's the best what's brewing I've ever heard <laughs> in my life. That is a great, great what's brewing to end 2019. And guess what? He's 100% correct. Do you think he practiced that, though? Like, did you rehearse that in the mirror, be honest? No. With hand gestures? No. Are you sure? I mean, people couldn't see the hand gestures. No, that's true. But, it, I mean, that was quality, Mike. He's right, though. That, that's all I've heard since that game oh, uh, ended. So, and, no, they're uh, not. And the and the a lot of people had the pagers done when they left Nashville uh, last year, and the Brady was old, and that uh, that they were done, and then they win another trophy. Well, the Rams were going to run them off the field yep. in the Super Bowl. Yep. You realize they're giving up twenty four percent third down conversions on defense. This was a defense last year that gave up over three hundred and fifty yards, and this year they're a defense that gives up eighty yards less. The opposing quarterback has a 62.8 passer rating against the New England defense. Tannehill's is 117-something. But opposing quarterback, they're really, really good. And they've got Tom Brady, and they've got maybe the greatest coach in the history of this game. That is not an overstatement when you look at his number of wins, his championships, and the era in which he's done it. He wasn't playing 11 teams. You know, mm-hmm. and he and he and, and five of those teams didn't have any money. He he's playing thirty-one teams, all of whom have the the same amount of resources. OTP should stand for Official Truth Podcast. There you That's go. That's the truth. I think I'm going to clip that out and listen to it on game day. Get myself fired up. Well, this if the, the Titans bus. win it, hey, if the Titans win it Saturday night, it's an accomplishment. Mm-hmm. It's a because these are the playoffs. This isn't Week Ten in Nashville. That's why Brady gave him that little trophy, gave Vrabel that little trophy, because mm-hmm. he's saying, here's your little trophy for week 10. Week 10 counts zero. Yep. To New England, counts zero. Week 17 against the Dolphins counted zero. Did they want the buy? Yes. Does it matter to them? No. They're playing for the championship. You're stepping in the ring right now with Muhammad Ali in his prime. Official Truth Podcast. And you know what? People did beat him. It happened. Didn't I see somewhere that the Patriots have never won a Super Bowl when they don't have a bye? That's true. Okay. Just a little tidbit. Just a little something. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. the, best, the best what's brewing ever. The Great Taste <laughs> Plant-Based Beyond Sausage Sandwich from Duncan is here with 10 grams of Beyond Sausage plant-based protein in between a toasted English muffin and delicious egg and cheese. Mm-mm. You were a little late, but pretty good. Well, you didn't give me the cue. Mm-mm. Good. Duncan has created a brand new way to start your day so you can add a plant-based boost to your mornings. America runs on Duncan. Jim Wyatt, how do we follow you on the social media into the new decade? At Jay Wyatt Sports, same in 2019 as it'll be in 2020. That's outstanding. Amy Wells? At Titans Amy, A-M-I-E. And how can people submit questions for our OTPQ shows? TitansOnline.com slash OTPQ. And remember, you can hear Dave McGinnis on 87 different radio shows <laughs> and Titans Radio <laughs> This Saturday night, we're on the air at 6 Central time with Titans Countdown from Foxborough, where it's not supposed to be four degrees. No, it's going to be delightful. I don't know about delightful. I saw some rain in the forecast. It's early, oh, but I saw no. some rain in the forecast. There's some rain in the forecast, but the last time we were there, it was a tad chilly. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I hope the rain gets out of there. Indeed.
All right. Well, for the great Jim White, for Amy Wells, and for Coach Dave McGinnis, Mike Keith wishes you a happy new year and thanks you for listening to the OTP. OTP.